Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast. I'm Jacob Stoller alongside Pat Williams as always. To start the show off, we're going to start with an interview that Pat had with Brian Helmer, VP of Hockey Operations for the Hershey Bears, longtime AHLer. Not to give too much away, Pat, but, you know, what can we expect from this little chat we're going to have here? Yeah, the thing about, uh, like, Brian Helmer's, uh, you know, I think a really good uh, person to talk to because he's he's been through this at all the different stages. He's been a player for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's was a coach at the AHL level as well as the OHL level, and uh, now he's in sixth season in management. So he's, he's kind of got all those different angles of what it's like to go through the trade deadline leading up to it, going through it, um, kind of the emotions that, that, that go uh, with being a player. And then now from the management side, uh, all the different uh, factors that you have to consider, you know, the AHL perspective is a little different because you, you know, a lot of ways you're a little bit of a bystander, um, but you do have an opportunity to kind of interject here and there um, certain needs uh, for your club. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a time of year where, um, you know, you're, you're a team, you can, you can either really stand to benefit or, or get hurt at the deadline. And really um, a lot of times the moves that are made aren't made necessarily with your club in mind. For sure. Let's head it over to that interview with Brian, where, as you said, gives us a great perspective on the deadline and all that goes in it from all perspectives. Brian Homer is the Vice President of Hockey Operations for the Hershey Bears, the longtime AHL affiliate of the Washington Capitals. Helmer played 20 pro seasons, including 146 games in the NHL with Phoenix, St. Louis, Vancouver, and Washington. He's a three-time Calder Cup winner. He is the AHL's all-time leader in points by a defenseman and was inducted into the AHL Hall of Fame in 2017. Now in his current role with the Bears, Helmer oversees day-to-day operations of the club's hockey department. Uh, works closely with the team's coaching staff as well as with the Capitals. Uh, this year, his Bears are first in the Atlantic Division, going into a big weekend at home against the Eastern Conference leading Toronto Marlies, followed by the Providence Bruins. Helms, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, you know, we, you know, we definitely wanted to get you because you 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 bring that player perspective obviously from your 20 years but also now the management side and you've also been uh in a coaching role um so just to start off uh, real quick um from an ahl team's perspective where do you see the player market right now uh going into the nhl trade deadline as well as next week's ahl deadline yeah i mean i think there's uh a lot of guys out there that uh you know that we'd love to have on our team uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, Patrick, it's, it's tough just to make an American league, uh, trade, um, just with my experience, um, you know, everybody just seems that they want, uh, they want your best player for their worst player. Right. So, um, but hopefully, you know, we, the way things are going right now, um, you know, sometimes you might not want to touch your team, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. if you, uh, 
you bring in a player, it could mess up the chemistry, you know, you're, so you're always taking that chance. But in saying all that, I know Washington uh, right now, they're, they're, they're making some moves and, and that hopefully benefit us in, in the long run with some of the picks they're getting and, and so on. Um, you know, but in saying all that, you know, if, if it's a chance to make our team better, um, you know, I think we've, I've got a good relationship with Washington where they would make something like that happen. So again, like I said, before this, the show started, you know, this is a, a time of, of nerves, but also exciting time too. So, um, but it's uh, lots of talks going on right now. Um, it's, uh, you know, fielding, fielding calls and also making calls myself too. So it's, uh, it's good. It's also uh, pretty neat to, uh, to catch up with guys uh, when you make those phone calls too. So, um, but it's, uh, it, like I said, it's, it's nerve wracking, but a lot of fun too. How, how different is it, you know, cause obviously in the NHL you have, you have salary cap issue, you have no trade clauses, no movement clauses here. Guys don't get that, uh, that luxury to have the, the no movement clause. Uh, does that make moves a little bit easier to make in the sense that you don't have to deal with those elements? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know if you walked in our dressing room today, uh, you know, everyone's uh, talking about it. They're, uh, you know, in the back of their mind, they're they're a little probably a little nervous thinking that, hey, you know, they're seeing all these moves happen. You know, one of those moves could me going to, could be me going somewhere else, you know. And so there's always that thought. But, um, you know, when you're a player, you you you, uh, you try to put that uh, in the back of your mind and, and you just uh, focus on what's in hand and um, like I said, I, I love, I really like our team right now. I love the chemistry. Um, but if there's a chance to, 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 to make us a little bit better, um, I'm sure that, uh, there would obviously be talks with Washington to, to do so. Um, but not saying that, you know, that might happen. It's just, uh, it's again, that's, there's a lot of talk going on, um, which is good. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's neat to see, um, how all this stuff's going to unfold and, and hopefully when uh, we get through this one on uh, tomorrow and, and then ours next Friday, um, you know, we might have the same team or we might have a different team. So, uh, but again, it's, it's for me, it's, it's uh, just getting to, uh, to see that side and to see what's out there and to see how people handle certain situations. And it's, it's a lot of fun that way. You mentioned that AHL deadline that comes up on Friday, March 10th. Last year, we saw the Chicago Wolves. Wendell Young kind of uh, he went on a bit of a, a shopping spree. Uh, brought in three three key players, um, including Richard Ponick, uh, big part of their run to the Calder Cup last year. How does the AHL deadline fit into all this? You know, because it, it follows the NHL deadline. Yeah, again, you know, I think this was uh, you know in in the past. Uh, this is my sixth year in this position, and. You know, there really isn't a lot of trades at the, at the American League deadline. You know, obviously last year there was a few with with Chicago there, and the one thing that we focused on this summer was uh, signing a lot of depth. Um, you know, we've got a few players down in South Carolina that could come up and and help us out. And so to say that we would do something like that, I I think we're pretty set in that way, unless we lose uh, you know a player here or there uh, in the next day uh, or so. Um, but again, um, you know, it's uh, not a I, I find there's not a lot of movement. There's a lot of talk. Mm. Um, you know, the phone's ringing off the hook. It'll be ringing off the hook all week. Next week of uh, people just seeing if you have anything available or, or what they're trying to look to get rid of and, and so on like that. Um, so it, it, it's definitely interesting. But in my time that I'm sitting in this position, uh, there hasn't been a lot of trades down at the, uh, at the deadline for the American Hockey League. Now, if you're a player, especially a veteran player, maybe on an NHL contract, and you're on a team that 
probably pretty clearly he's not going to the playoffs. Why why do you not see more of those players move um, at the age of deadline? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, uh, Patrick. I mean, I, I, I believe that, again, it's one of those things where, you know, a team will call you up and they say, you know, we see that you have a player there that maybe a veteran player um, that uh, we would love to have, and then we'll give you this guy back. And it's not mm-hmm. even close to the same type of caliber. So I think that has lots to do. Or they're interested in signing those guys uh, for next year too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it might happen after the deadline. But when you have a good veteran, um, it's hard to give them up. And, you know, especially that's how I believe. Um, you know, those guys are, are hard to find, and especially if they're good in the dressing room with you. And you want, again, you want those guys to, you want your young guys to be around those guys. And that's the reason why, um, you know, you have them in the dressing room is to teach the young guys the proper way to be a professional hockey player. So be, just because you're out of the playoffs, there, you know, there's, there's, there's still important games down the stretch. You know, you might want to be that, uh, that, that team that uh, is the spoiler for a, another team, you know, and, and there's, and those are important games and those are important for your young guys to be in and to, to have the, that veteran type around that uh, goes into those games, calm and collective and, and, and leads by example, those, those are tough to get rid of. And, you know, so I think that's the reason why you don't see a lot of those guys get, um, get moved on the uh, deadline. Now in Hershey, there's obviously a great tradition of winning. Um, the fan base is, is very demanding. I mean that in a good way. Um, how much leeway? How much freedom do, does an AHL uh, executive such as yourself have from the NHL club to to go out and explore some different moves? Yeah, you know I have a great relationship with Chris Patrick and Jason Fitzsimmons, mm-hmm. the two guys I deal with in Washington. You know, and they, they give me that leeway. They they want they want me to work the phones and you know call, call my uh, contacts and and just see what's out there. And obviously, uh, I can't make the final call on it. They have mm-hmm. to do that. But uh, they they give me a leeway as much as I want to, to make phone calls. And you know, so you can't ask for anything more. Um, you know, you can, so I, I work the phones, uh, see what's out there, and then I bring it back to them if I if I have something. Uh, where they'll take a look at it and, and see, you know, they they want us to win down here. They they want mm-hmm. they want they believe that uh, getting in a long run uh, in the playoffs is going to help their young guys. And you know, I think the best thing that ever could happen was the Washington Capitals winning in 2018 and looking how at how many people or players that came through Hershey to help them succeed in that way. And and that's that's their belief, and and that's the belief that we have that. You know, like you said, we have a demanding um, fan base, which I love to death. But uh, you know, they expect us to be in the uh, a long run uh, and win a win a Calder Cup. And it's been a while, and and it's it's been tough. But you know, people have to realize there's 32 teams in this league now, and you know, there's teams out there that uh, that haven't won a cup. You know, and and the years that we uh, were fortunate to to go on those little stretches there that. We were, you know, we, were, we went to the finals five times and won three times. You know, that that doesn't come around too often. And, uh, you know, I think we got a little spoiled there. And, uh, but we're, we're doing whatever we can. I, I, I Like I said, I, I like our team. Um, could we add a couple pieces? Maybe. Um, but, again, uh, you always you take that chance of bringing in someone new or, or have to trade away, a, 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 like, a you know, someone that's popular in the dressing room. Might not be you know, as good a player as some of the players in that dressing room, but he's a big piece uh, 
to, to make sure that uh, things are going well in, inside the dressing room. And, and so if you move a guy like that and bring someone in and where it just guys don't get along, it, I could, you know, I've been on teams like that where it, it wrecks your, it wrecks your team. And next thing you know, you're, you're out golfing uh, before the, before you, you know, you get into the, the main uh, pieces of the, uh, the playoffs. So uh, no, there's, there's risk there, but like I said, uh, I think the relationship that, uh, we have with Washington, um, you know, we're going to look at every every possible situation uh, within the next day and a half and also within next week, too. You know, this is a league where obviously there's so much player turnover. Um, how, how do you go about, like, keeping tabs on, on all the different players in the league, especially, you know, out in the Western Conference, you don't see them in person, um, you, know, you know, how do you build those relationships with other general managers and uh, executives and, and kind of, you know, let's say there's a player in the Western Conference that might fill a need for you. Yeah, I mean, you, so you know, obviously uh, Washington has some pro scouts uh, mm -hmm. that that are at uh, see a lot of those games. Uh, a lot of the teams out west, um, you know, it's you make that relationship uh, at at league meetings with with other GMs and, and executives where you know you can call up and ask about a player here or there and uh, and. You know, if you have that relationship and you have that trust, you guys, you can talk about players, you know, and, and it, it it doesn't go any farther than that um, unless something happens where you, where you make a trade. But again, um, you know, you, you go through the stats. I'm, all, I'm always on the AHL, you know, website going through uh, the stats of every team and players and, and seeing who's having a good year this year. And, you know, could he help us? Uh, could he help us down the road? Um, you know, there's always... Uh, I'm always writing things down, making a list, um, not just, uh, you know, when you're going through this, you know, you're preparing for next year too. I am anyways, you know, and uh, you're watching video, watching, uh, you know, uh, players shifts, um, you know, just you're, you're doing a lot of research uh, at Patrick. And so it's, it's, uh, but for me, again, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. It's, it's neat to see, you know, you get a perspective on a player that you've heard that's uh, having a good year. And, you, and then you also make some phone calls of, you know, is this guy uh, a good character guy? Is he good in the dress room? Um, so you, you, there's a lot of stuff like that that goes on uh, behind the scenes before you can make a trade uh, or maybe sign a guy for in the summer. So. Could you, uh, how does the deal come together? Can you kind of take us through that? You know, those steps and, you know, let's say you, you phone up a, a general manager and how does that conversation start to unfold? Yeah, I mean, I think the basic thing is, you, you know, you make phone calls and, and, and that sort of stuff and, and you kind of get some di dialogue going between the two teams. Um, nothing's easy. I mean, it doesn't just happen like, hey, you know, we'll give you this guy, you give this that guy. Uh, it, there's a lot of talking, uh, a lot of, uh, um, you know, different things said. Um and uh, a lot of going back and forth and um, until you get to that point where, you're, you know, both sides are, are, uh, are happy with uh, what was, what's going to uh, happen and move forward. So uh, again, it's, it's, uh, it, it's fun. It's again, it's stressful, but um, you know, it, when it, when it happens, uh, you know, you just have, again, it's, it's, it's a chance uh, that you're taking and you hope that that chance uh, pays off in the end. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, you look at Chicago last year and they made some key, he trades at the right time and, and it helped him at, uh, in the end. So, um, but hopefully, like I said, uh, lots to come and uh, we'll see what happens. Last couple of things. Uh, future considerations is always kind of a thing that gets people laughing a little bit. Uh, kind of, how does the deal end up uh, at that point where 
you move a player in and it's only for future considerations. Yeah, I, I, that's a funny one. I, I agree. It's mm-hmm. it's one of those things that, uh, you know, the, the team that usually uh, takes a player for future consideration is in need of a player. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe if they've lost a couple uh, couple players to injury or call-ups and instead of finding that guy in the ECHL, they, they see if a, a team will, um, you know, give them a player for, for, for futures. And, you know, obviously that's, uh, again, that's trust. You're, you're hoping that uh, down the road that that'll come back and help you, right, when you, when you do something like that. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's just the trust between uh, two teams. And, and usually, you know, down the road that, that'll come back and, and help you out, uh, help, help that team out. Um, so that's kind of where that goes. So, uh, you've also been part of a coaching staff at this level, uh, also the OHL. Uh, what's the move right now for, for you know, let's say for Todd Nelson and his staff uh, at this time of the year? Yeah, he's, uh, again, um, you know, you're trying to focus on uh, what's in hand, but, there, you know, for a fact, there's there's talks going on, and, um, you know, they're always, uh, I'm down in Todd's uh, office quite a bit, a lot, uh, you know, uh, talking about different things and what if this happens or if that happens, mm-hmm. you know, how can we make our team better? Uh, um, you know, what, what do we need? Do we need anything? Um, so there's definitely a lot of talk going on and, and, but the biggest thing is, is, um, you know, as a coach, you're, you're, you're really trying to, to focus on the team that you have in hand and, and, uh, to, to go out there and win, win, uh, every game that you can, uh, possible, you know, obviously we're sitting in a good position, but you want to keep, make sure that we're, we're, we're we keep this thing going in the right direction because you don't want to fall too far where you're playing in that uh, play, play in, um, scenario. Right. So, um, but there, it's always in the back of your mind. You're, you're kind of a little bit nervous where you're hoping that you don't lose too many players or you don't lose a big piece of your, of your pie where, um, you know, that'll hurt a lot. But like I said, the good thing for us is, um, we've signed a lot of good depth this year. And, and I think we have guys that if we do lose one or two, or, you know, even if guys go up to Washington, uh, we got guys that can slip in, do a, a good job for us too. So, um, you know, you, you, you see the moves that Washington's making and, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're, it looks like they're trying to do something for the future. And, and you know, we might have, we might lose a player here or there uh, to go up. But, um, you know, I'm sure when when we get closer to the playoffs that, uh, you know, we'll probably end up getting those players back and, and try to go on a long run down here. And last thing, you know, development is obviously a huge part of the AHL's mission. You've been on winning teams uh, as a three-time Calder Cup winner. You've been on teams that struggle. Uh, where does winning fit into development? I think, and this is just my opinion, I think Washington's on the same page. It's, it's huge. You know, I think when you can get into those big, important games and uh, and get that experience under your, under your belt, it goes a long ways. I always say, you know, you get into to the American Hockey League playoffs, you know, it turns into almost like a, a regular season game in the NHL. And then you get on to, you know, maybe the conference final or the finals. Now you're talking about maybe games having that experience of being almost like in the NHL playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, the, everything ramps up. It's it's exciting. It's there's a lot of ups and downs, and and uh, you know the nerves will be there. But uh, when you're in that moment, um, the nerves go away, and you just play your game. And it's it's to me, it's the experience is, is massive, and mm-hmm. that's why that uh, you know you want to go on these long runs and have that chance to to win a championship because. You know, you, you again, I, I go back to the 2018 team. You know, we went to the finals in 16, you know, yeah. in, in Hershey. And, you know, guys like Travis Boyd, you know, Nathan Walker, they went in for game five against Pittsburgh. And, 
contribute. And I, I believe if they wouldn't have had that experience in the finals, you know, who knows if they would have did the same type of thing, you know, so it's, you know, and then you get look at the Carlson, the Holby, Beagle, you know, winning championships down here and, and, and then having that experience uh, help them up there. And, you know, it's, to me, it's, it's, you, you can't, um, it, you can't even put uh, anything on that, that type of, of experience because that's firsthand experience when you're going through that, uh, it goes a long ways. Well, great. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate the time. Um, and that's right. Thanks. Thanks, Patrick. I really appreciate it. Again, thank you to Brian for, for coming on the show. Awesome guy. Great insight. And I will say, I, I'm sad I couldn't make the interview because I want to confront him because Brian Helmer is like the first hockey villain in my life because he was on the Hershey Bears when they won back to back. I don't know. Was oh, was that the first year? They won or back to back? It was 09 uh, when they Ten. won that first uh, against the Moose and then uh, the following year against Texas. And Right. Uh, that was, it was their third championship in five five years. Uh, which yeah. At this level is unheard of to, to have, well, essentially it's like a dynasty. Right. Uh, teams just don't do that anymore. Yeah. Like I remember game six, uh, the Moose and Bears. He just, was. I mean, he was a gamer, first mm-hmm. of all. And then... Yeah, that was a because for Moose games in Winnipeg, even before the Jets came back, they wouldn't open the upper bowl, just the lower bowl. But yeah. for this, they did. I remember being like, "Wow, be cool if an NHL city came, an NHL team came back," and they did. So that was my first kind of feel of, of intense hockey. And thanks to Brian for crushing it. So, anyways, um, I want to get to a bit of an interesting topic that we kind of for a while want to speak about, but it was never really the right time. But I think now is is a good time. A lot of turnover in Nashville. David Poyle is stepping down. Trust coming in. It's a garage sale there. They're, they're, they're trading all their assets. They're retooling, which, again, I think is an admirable job. And I wrote a piece about Ellie Tolvanen. And I through that, I kind of realized, just from research and whatnot, that there's a really large contingency that aren't really happy with John Hines, the head coach. But, you know, do fan bases opinions have merit maybe not always in terms of like what's actually happening there but you know with drafts coming in i could see him wanting his own guy things haven't gone great there could be a change naturally you gotta look at the hl club there's usually a sort of graduation process that happens there and in milwaukee you have carl taylor and carl taylor has been around for, for a long time and as much as people don't like the job heinz has done with respect to the development of the younger players Alternatively, Taylor's done a very, very good job. Cody Glass, Ellie Tolvanen, who's now moved on, but just their development, Yusuf Parsonen, Thomas Novak, like these guys really found their game in Milwaukee. Why is it that that Carl Taylor is sort of lauded for being this kind of guru with these young guys? Like what makes him so good at what he does? Yeah, Tanner uh, Janot was another one uh, before they, exactly. they moved him uh, over to Tampa. Um, I think with Carl Taylor, it's first and foremost, he's a he's a real direct, straight shooter type of coach. Like, right. there's not a lot of, um, you know, guesswork. You know, I know that's a thing that players hate, you know, when, um, you know, they're not able to really completely decipher what the coach wants from them. And there's that, that ambiguity and uncertainty. Um, that's not the case with Carl Taylor. Like, not that he's, um, you know, not that he's a yeller screamer type. It's more that he's a, um, 
you know, sit, sit you down and really like, you know, go through the video, go through through everything in your game, really break it down and uh, tell you exactly what you need to do. Like, and so you take a player like Phil Tomasino, right? That was a real delicate situation last season, him coming, um, you know, going to Nashville, playing a full year up there, and now coming back um, to the AHL this year. So it's, uh, it's a little bit of a challenge in that sense. And I, I thought he managed a young prospect really well through what obviously was a difficult time. Um, and then all those players you mentioned, and then the, kind of this next crop, uh, you know, you have uh, Skaroff, you have uh, Fonseyev, uh, you have Angelista. Yeah, Evangelista, right? You know, right down the list. I just, uh, I swear, it feels like every year in Nashville and Milwaukee, like they, they turn out three, four, or five prospects, you know, that can actually go up to Nashville and contribute. So um, Carl Taylor is a huge part of that. Um, you know, it's a very sort of, at this stage, and it will be interesting now with, with David Poyle stepping aside, but uh, for the last 25 years, um, they really had a, the opportunity with that Milwaukee Nashville relationship to really hone in and, and figure out a formula that works. I mean, and you just look at the alumni list that come through Milwaukee. I mean, everyone from Roman Yossi, Shea Weber, I mean, Pecorino, you name it. Uh, pretty much if you played in Nashville at some point um, as a big uh, contributor, you went through Milwaukee, um, you know, on your way up. Here's the question. Is he, you know, he's a good coach, good mm -hmm. coach that doesn't always necessarily correlate to becoming next in line to be an NHL coach. There's a lot of really good coaches that are a really good NHL assistant, a good NHL head coach, but you know, for whatever reason, don't get that opportunity. Milwaukee maybe thinks, you know, unless someone's knocking on the door trying to take their guy or not Milwaukee, sorry, Nashville, it only someone's coming to take Taylor. They may just love having him down there. Do you think he's going to be an NHL coach? I think he could. Yeah. I think he has that right. That good personality that he can, he can work well. Jobs, with, I will say. Yeah, he can work well with a young twenty-year-old prospect. But you know, he's, you know, he's not a guy that had, you know, you know, a lot of. Uh, obviously, he he worked his way up, uh, you know, right up the chain, ECHL. I mean, university level. Um, he's, but he's he's like he's secure in his own um, skin. He's he knows who he is. Um, he doesn't try to kind of put on any airs or any sort of. Um, you know, uh, sometimes you see coaches, uh, you know, really any sport, any level, when they go up, they, they change who they are. Right. And, and they, they try to take on a different persona. That's not him. Um, he's the same guy he was as an assistant coach. He is now. Um, and I, I could see him definitely fitting in, um, you know, personality wise with an NHL club. I, I think especially one like Nashville now that's going to be going through a transition period with a new GM coming in and, and obviously all the change that will come with that. For sure. And also depend on, are they parent, are, are they going young? Are they sort of retooling or are they going to try to win next year with a revamped roster? That'll all have a big impact on who the coach is. And if ultimately if Taylor gets a sniff there, let's move on to our prospect of the week, a player that, you know, you never really know right now when a trade's going to happen. So by when you're listening, he could be traded. So, so apologies, but Vili Heinle with the Manitoba Moose. I don't know if polarizing is the right word, but definitely a prospect and his development um, is certainly of interest to a lot of people. I wrote a piece for the Hockey News in November where his agent voiced the displeasure Vili has with being the AHL again. Let's get into that quickly and just kind of where he's at. So he's got 26 points in 28 games with the Moose this season. 
the the you know he's playing close according to instat data he's playing close to 23 minutes a night got to run a 60% expected goals percentage another you know i think he was 58% corsi and last year he had similar numbers but granted you know the moose were a corsi juggernaut as a unit this year not so much and still hinola has those elite numbers so advanced stats can be kind of tricky but that's worth noting i think so you got a player here where once again he's in the AHL the jets have given him about, you know, I think it's, let me just check here. Yeah, 10 games to play. Watch about most of those. And, you know, he hasn't been great. You can make an argument of they should have had more leash or given him more leash and whatnot or whatever it may be. But here's the point. What What's next for him? Because he he's, I'm not going to say he's too good for the AHL. I think very few are. But he's dominating. Like, it's, I can understand the frustration from that camp, given he's done everything he needs to do at the AHL level you know, give him a shot to fight it out in the NHL. It's a tricky one. What do you think about where his game is at and his development at this current juncture? I would agree. Um, I would also say that life is not always fair. Hockey is certainly not always fair. Uh, and the best oh, thing sure. that a player can do in that situation, I mean, is you go out, if you're, if you're already a top player, dominate even more. Somebody yeah. somewhere is going to eventually give you a shot. Well, also, Pat, it's kind of a benefit for him to be ripping up the A and not like maybe be iffy in the NHL. I think that probably helps his trade value. He's still only 21. Yeah, and I think that's is something. I mean, it feels like he's been around much longer than that, but uh, it is something I think it's easy for people to forget that he is only 21 and that there is, uh, like you said, I mean, there's always something you can work on. There's something you can sure. do better. I think he can get stronger. Um, I think certainly he can touch up some parts of his defensive game. Um, now, I think it w- in a lot of other situations, he, he would already be in the NHL. But mm-hmm. Jeff, uh, for, for whatever reason, are definitely kind of putting him through, uh, you know, very extensive developments, um, you know, uh, process, whatever word you want to use that um, maybe typically a player would have to go through elsewhere. But you know what? You that that's that's the hand you're dealt as a player. Just go out. You you have a chance now. They're they're, they're going to be a playoff team uh, in Manitoba. Go put that team on your back, like other defensemen, other players have done in this league, and force yourself into an NHL role next season. Yeah, exactly. Like I I think kind of where I'm at with it is twofold. One, if the Jets go for a player with one term, two that that's an impact player. I think Heinle is dealt. And I say that because when you look at the trade landscape, a lot of the time you'll see a couple of trades. You'll see a trade that's like a first and a second or prospect, a couple mid-round picks. The Nino Nita Rider one was a second. And then you'll see one that would be like a first and say a young NHL player. Mm. Heinle is not a young NHL player technically, but I think he's good enough as a prospect to qualify in that tier. I personally think. I would say so. And I think whatever team acquiring him would probably seem as an NHL player. So I think that would work there. But alternatively, I, I think that the, the point you make, Pat, is really good. Like, I think if he was good enough to be the NHL, he would have in those 10 games shown something to do it. I think that the, the argument that they haven't given him a chance, well, they did give him some time. I, I don't know if it's necessarily fair to say they didn't give him a chance. You've also got to, again, understand if he didn't show them. Like, it's not like a situation here where he played amazing and they're not playing him. Right. And, and that's, that has to be remembered here. 
because the NHL is all about winning, all business. Now, if you want to get upset about the Jets and the way their D core is aligned or whatever, those are different things, right? You mm-hmm. have to assess it for, for what it is. I wonder, I don't know. I mean, predictions are tough, but it'll be interesting to see if Billy is traded. If he's not, great injury uh, insurance for them, I guess. But it's definitely one of the most popular kind of prospect topics out there, I find. Maybe at least in Canada among those teams. Oh, it's a, it's a constant debate. I mean, anytime you see with Jets, mm-hmm. anything, any forum, uh, any, any, you know, whether it's radio, uh, internet, whatever, Jets fans. Um, He's the, almost more of a concept than, than an actual person. Yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, like it's almost like remember free. You hope he's as good as as he's purported to be. You know, but yeah. he eventually does get up somewhere because, like, with all the talk and yeah. everything that's gone into that, you're like, wow, like the bar has really been raised. Like this guy, he must really be. If you've never seen him play, you would think, you know, he was the second coming of the world, right? Well, um, one last one about him, Pat, is uh, this really surprised? I don't say this lightly, but I talked to a scout. Western Conference team scout. Um, I think it was a week ago, and he said something that really surprised me. This gives you a glimpse of to the varying opinions that people have of mm-hmm. him. This particular scout said he thought he was the second smartest, like hockey IQ, highest hockey IQ in the organization, aside from I think it was Morrissey. So, you know, that I did not expect to hear that. Um, and so there's that end of the spectrum. Other guys think. He's too small, too whatever. I don't know. It's a wide. It just kind of goes to show you how when different people are running different ships, different things happen. So it's all circumstantial. <laughs> I hope he hasn't been traded after this comes out because this whole conversation would just be useless. Hey, gosh. I mean, that's, that's nature of a job. That's the risk of the NHL trade deadline, and we have now this lead. We have another one coming up next week for the NHL. So yeah, um, twice the fun. Let's uh, you know, just before. We move on to our prospect, or sorry, our team of the week, that is. Quick uh, question I forgot to ask you when we talked about Carl Taylor. I didn't even realize this because, you know, the Moose were in Toronto um, for game, or in Belleville about a couple months ago, and they had like a five-day layover in Toronto or something. And I bring this up because when I was in Winnipeg, I saw, for I was covering something with the Colorado Avalanche morning skate, and I was about to interview Jared Bednar, and I saw Carl Taylor lurking around. And I was thinking, one, oh, like, interesting, I guess he has downtime. Two, what do the teams do on those layovers? Like, that must suck. Hey, when you're, like, practicing in the like from, like, a Monday to a Thursday in the AHL and you're in another city, that must suck. Like, that's so weird. You set up shop somewhere else for four days. Teams love to set up shop, like coaches do anyway. Like, you know, and, you know. Right. Kind of like- you know, you get the players on the road, you get them away from any sort of distractions, uh, especially depending on the city you're in. You can find like a Winnipeg's great for that, right? So you have like, you have, uh, you know, the main rank and then obviously you have the Iceplex, which is, yeah, you know, one of the top facilities around. So, uh, you know, you know, I think, I think especially like if you're in Milwaukee and, and if you can happen to coincide with a homestand for the NHL team, you know, I think that that is something that teams like, you know, you can get to see. You know, get, let your players see some NHL caliber play right up close. So that that's good. Um, coaches love it. Players may or may not love it, depending kind of, uh, you know, what stage of life, career they're at. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a young guy, maybe it's it's all the same, right? I'm on the road or, you know, I'm at home. But, um, 
you know, now, now I feel like now with players, though, they, they have all their gadgets and their toys and, you know, all the things that, like you know, Donald keep them busy. So, toy, yeah, yeah. They're, they usually manage to, to do okay for themselves. Let's get to our team of the week, and that's the Chicago Blackhawks and their prospects with the Rockford Ice Hogs. But honestly, like the Blackhawks now are basically the Ice Hogs. I don't know if I recognize anyone on that roster. Or sorry, I don't know if anyone that roster has NHL games anymore at this rate, and there could be more before uh, the deadline. So we're going to get to a couple names. Some of them may be officially on Chicago's roster right now, but we're getting to these AHL guys that have been with Rock for, for most of the year. And, you know, we'd be remiss not to start with. One of my favorite prospects, Lucas Reichel. I love this guy. I think he's so fun to watch. I, I don't really know what he's going to be, and when I say that, I mean, like, I don't know if he's going to be a star or like a really good player and like both would be great, but I'm not really sure if he'll, he'll, he has the pop to be like a superstar or anything. Um, but I think he's a great player and I think he's gonna be an awesome part of Chicago's future. What's going to be interesting is given these teardowns that are happening, is he with the big club next year? Like, what does that look like? He's still gonna have a roster. Is that good for like, there's so many things that play there with him. But anyways, Lucas Reichel, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I'd be shocked if he's not a full-time um, member of the Blackhawks next season. I mean, they just called him up today, so um, I think they're going to give him probably a pretty extended look here now uh, down the last six or so weeks of the regular season. Um, obviously, Chicago's playing off the string. Uh, and then ideally, you, you move him back to Rockford for the playoffs. And it looks like Rockford will be a playoff team, so um, that that's kind of the blend of the both best of both worlds. Now, now you can give him an extended opportunity at the NHL level and, and actually play some minutes and, and, and some key situations, see where he's at, see where the work is, you know, that he's put in in the last uh, little while in Rockford, where, where, where it's gotten him. And then, um, and then you throw him back into the playoffs uh, with Rockford for, you know, for what could be a decent run. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's Chicago's plan now, right? Like, I think he's, I think he's ready. I think he does need, he needs a bigger challenge. And, uh, certainly I think the next six weeks with Chicago, if he stays there, would, would certainly provide him that challenge. Isaac Phillips, defenseman, fifth round pick by the Blackhawks in 2020. He's actually not, this is too much of an accomplishment. Cause again, depth is pretty thin there, but he had 15 games, with the Blackhawks this year, he recorded five points. He's with them right now. Had 20 points in 33 games at Rockford. 21 years old, very fast rising prospect. Hey, Pat. Very fast. Yeah. Like you said, a fifth rounder, you know, which, you know, you never quite know what you're getting, um, you know, with those players. He came in during the, the pandemic year, really, really fit in nicely uh, as a young player, right? Like, you know, that, that even in that pandemic year when the talent wasn't at, at its normal level, um, that's still a big jump coming up from the OHL and he handled it well made big strides last year and now this year is kind of a third year defenseman. If you can call him that um, really he's been able to kind of work himself into the rotation at different points with Chicago. So um, I'm, a, I'm a big Isaac Phillips fan. I think, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of upside with him. Um, you know, I think he has a, a real good potential, maybe to somewhere be you know, maybe a four to six, you know, ideally um, mm-hmm. with an NHL club. You know, he, he's another player, I think, that could get a good opportunity here down the stretch with the Blackhawks. You know, you're playing kind of um, low pressure, obviously, you know, 
uh, point of the year. Not that the Hawks had a ton of pressure at any point this year, but um, even more so. So I think uh, now you throw him in there, see where he's at. And again, like Reichel, then you move him back to the, to the HL club for the playoffs and, and let him go down there and just, you know, play huge minutes and, and really kind of be a, a real force back there for them. One last one, Alex Vlasic, second round pick in 2019 left BU at the end of the year. And then he actually had 15 games with the Blackhawks last year, left-hand defenseman hasn't got a recall this year, but 15 points in the first 30, 43 games. Any notes on him other than the fact that he's six, six. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, Rockford's blue line really has gotten torn up in the past, uh, really like three or four days. I mean, um, multiple trades, um, they actually, they went in uh, on Wednesday at Toronto with five natural defensemen. Um, they, uh, they had Hunter Drew as well. So, um, you know, there's obviously an opportunity for playing time. The Rockford uh, D right now is, uh, you got some injury issues and then obviously you have a lot of call-ups. Um, it, it's pretty much like an airport in port right now with players coming and going. So, uh, he has a chance to really kind of, um, be the number one guy there, right, in Rockford and play the top minutes. Um, so I'm interested to see what he can do with that. I'd like to see him get that opportunity mm-hmm. with Rockford down the stretch. Um, you know, they're they're pretty secure for a playoff spot, but, you know, if they can kind of pull away a little bit and get a little bit more secure, I think he'll be a big part of that. Uh, you know, but, you know, he's still, like, it's still pretty, you know, like you said, he just left BU last year. So, you know, he's still fairly early in his pro development curve. So, uh, I want to see him get that uh, that time in the AHL here. Last thing before we sign off, I forgot to ask this before, but we want to touch on the Michael Hutchinson um, and seventh round pick return for Jonathan Quick. So Columbus acquired Quick, flipped him to Vegas, got a seventh round pick, and Hutchinson back, which Pat pointed out to me off the air, may not be as much of an insignificant return as one would think. Yeah, so you you have Hutchinson there, uh, you have uh, Merz Lickens, uh, so they'll kind of Looks like they'll play off the string there for Columbus. Uh, they, they also brought in John Gillies in the Voracek deal, right? So uh, Gillies was sent to Cleveland. So that now gives you, you know, two guys that you can maybe move back and forth, Gillies and Hutchinson. Uh, Racha, or I should say Cleveland has had a lot of issues with, with goaltending. Uh, Tarasov's been injured at different points. Uh, two young goalies, uh, you know, kind of led by Jack Greaves. Um, so now if you can get a veteran down there to get that Cleveland team into the playoffs, they're right on the line. Um, that would be a huge, uh, huge boost, I think for Columbus in a year where let's be honest, not much has gone right at all. Absolutely. Well, that's it for today's show. Thanks again to Helms for coming on and filling in as a co-host when I was away and, uh, for giving us some great insight of the deadline. Pat, thanks for joining me as always, uh, except you're contractually obliged to be. And uh, yeah, to listeners, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.